Iyer's on the road. Parenting in a modern world. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And here we are. It's going to be um, an interesting show today because we're talking about something that at least interests us, right? Well, we're trying to. We're in an endless effort to simplify parenting. I don't. I don't really mean simplify because parenting is not simple, but. We're, we're on an endless quest to say what we think parents need to hear in a way that doesn't sound intimidating and that sounds approachable, sounds doable, right? And so today what we're going to be doing on Iyer's on the Road is talking about three things that we think parents ought to stop doing and three corresponding things that we think parents ought to start doing. So that's about as basic as it gets. I mean, that's about, none of these things are easy, but that's about the, the simplest format we can think of because we actually believe, based on our own experience with lots of parents around the world, that if, if parents would just quit doing three things that are not good for their kids and start doing three other things that are sort of the opposites that are good for, good for their kids, the whole world would be saved. Everything would be fine. Yes. There would be no more problems anywhere. It works every time. We know that because our kids are perfect. <laughs> it really is something to think about. But boy, you know, every family is different. Just keep that in mind as we go along today because we know that you're struggling with some interesting things at your house or your children's homes. I know we get grandparents listening as well as parents, as well as probably some single folks out there, divorced folks who are struggling, and our hats are off to you because it's twice as hard. Now, before we get to the three and three, we should just mention that uh, <clears throat> we're really on the road this week. We're headed for um, Oakland, California to do a, a wonderful, we think it'll be a wonderful event. Uh, at the Oakland Temple of the LDS Church in the Visitor Center. Yeah, not in the temple. But. Yeah, not in the temple, <laughs> but uh, a really great gathering, a, a mixed uh, demographic of parents. And we're going to be talking about this same message, sort of three things to stop doing and three things to start doing. And then we're on the road again going back to Boston to see our darling daughter Sadie and her lovely family because they are about to make a big move from Boston to the Bay Area of San Francisco. That's about as big a move as you can make if you don't leave the U.S. Yeah, we send all of our kids to Boston, not all, but some of our kids to Boston, and we were in Boston at school. For their call, for And then university. we have an in-law who... Um, was on the West Coast at Stanford, and we when we went to his graduation, we thought, what were we thinking? <laughs> it is The weather is so fabulous on the West Coast. Oh, yeah, we all... And so hard on the East Coast, <laughs> I see at what least all winter. Our whole education tradition in our family is sort of Boston and New England, and, and yeah, we didn't have a single one of our kids go to school in California, and then some of the in-laws did, and boy, it's a lot nicer there than... We think back to our own time in Boston when we were teaching a seminary class and getting up every morning at 5 o'clock and walking along the frozen Charles River and freezing to death for like, it seemed like six months. But uh, that is neither here nor there. Now, let's get to the point here. You ready? 
Um, I'm ready because um, these are things that we did semi well, and if we could do it over again, we'd do better. <laughs> <laughs> Hindsight is always twenty twenty. Right. So here's the first thing we we see so much of this today. We think that parents have got to stop giving their kids too much. We've got to stop these entitlement attitudes. The worst problem when we do surveys among parents, the thing they're worried most about is these entitlement attitudes of their children, where kids are essentially saying, and you could almost repeat this with me, I deserve whatever I want, and I deserve it right now, and I deserve everything my friends have, and I should not have to work for it or wait for it. That is sort of the encapsulation of an entitlement attitude. And it's the first of the three things today on the show we're going to ask you as parents to stop. Well, and I'm the cautionary person here because I know some of you are doing a great job at that. You say, my kids aren't entitled, really. They work hard and so on, except that their friends are all entitled. And so you've got to figure out what to say when you say, so-and-so, da-da-da-da-da-da, and I don't get that, and why don't I get that? Because my friends all get that. Um, it really is a fine line to walk. Now, we think the biggest culprit is something that seems like a wolf in sheep's clothing. I mean, everyone thinks allowances are a good thing. I mean, we're, we're giving our kids an allowance so that they can learn to handle money. Well, the problem is, in that sentence, is we're giving our kids an allowance. The thing is that kids who are given money do not appreciate it, do not feel real ownership of it, and begin to feel that everything should be given to them. So we're going to ask you instead to start, now here's the first thing to start, start a little family economy where Kids have chores that they do and jobs that they're responsible for. And instead of an allowance, have a payday on the weekend where how much they get is according to how many of their chores they really succeeded in doing. Now, there's a lot online. If you go to valuesparenting.com, there's a whole family economy laid out. And we're not going to take time on the radio today to get into details. And, and we're also going to say that all parents who really think about this organize it in a little different way according right. to their own needs and their own kids. But the bottom line, the first of these three couplets we're going to talk about today, stop giving them too much and entitling them. Start some kind of a family economy where they earn their own money and then where they buy a lot of their own personal things. So instead of saying, Mom, can I have a new iPhone, you don't want to be the one to say yes or no. You want to be the one to say, well, I don't know. Can you have it? How much money have you saved up? That'll be something you'll be buying with your own money. And this family well, economy should involve a family bank and a way that kids can control their own funds from the time they're about eight years old. Well, now, before you get too far on this, um, I have to say that, um, you, when you negotiate with your kids, obviously you don't want them to own their own phone because then they have total control of the phone. Yeah, you want. So to, you, you want, want to have at least fifty-one percent of that. I mean, you know, they that's can, the good news. You say to the kid, "Hey, guess what? You only have to save up enough to buy forty-nine percent of that." 
phone. Or 25% or whatever I'll you decide. I'll buy the rest and I'll be in charge of it. <laughs> but I'm the one that uh, sets up the rules. We'll do this together. But we're, we're going to write a little contract and we're going to decide exactly how that phone's going to be used. But you need to be sure that you have some control. So you get the idea. And again, we're not getting into large detail here, but go to valuesparenting.com, click on family economy. You can find it in the menu. And then you will work on establishing a start, a family economy, stop the entitlement attitudes. Okay, Linda? The next thing to stop, any more on that? Uh, oh, no, we could go on forever on that, but I think we better go on. Okay, number two. We're oh, gonna, oh, wait, I oh. do have one more thing. Okay, okay. Um, you have to be sure you talk this over with your kids so that they don't feel like, oh, my gosh, my parents. Yeah. They're just so rule-oriented, and they're coming down on me on this, and I don't have any control over it. You need to be sure that you're doing this with your kids and telling them why you're doing it. If you've got teenagers and you've been handing out money all this time, if they're 16, then you have to say, look, we've only got you in our home for two more years. We need to teach you how to deal with money, and this is this is our plan, how to do it, and then have them have well and them. and present it as a real positive thing i mean you know if, if your child's getting you know ten dollars a week for an allowance start out by saying we, we, we've got a new system here how would you like to be able to earn three times that how would you like to have three or four times that much every week to spend oh well yeah well there's a catch two catches one you have to do certain things certain responsibilities on your own initiative without me reminding you or bothering you in order to get that much, and it'll be proportionate to how much you do. And number two, you're going to start buying your own things that you want all the time, not us. So, and, and most kids, boy, they love from the time they're about eight until the time they're about 15, we think is sort of the golden years where kids are flattered by responsibility. They're flattered by having their own money, by earning their own money, by buying their own stuff. And I'll tell you, it'll make them financially savvy, but more importantly, it'll get them past those entitlement attitudes. So again, um, on to the next. Now wait, don't go on to the next until I tell this funny story. Um, everybody, as Richard mentioned before, um, has their own system that they do. And after we explained this to one group in, I think it was Minnesota, somewhere in the Midwest, um, this dad raised his hand and said, you know, that's all really a good system, but this is our system. On Saturday morning, my wife and I gather around the kitchen table. We write down the list of all the stuff that needs to be done. And then the kids come down and they look at the list and then they bid for what they want to do by sealed bid. He says, I'm a contractor. This is what works for me. So they just bid by sealed bid. And man, it's amazing what kids will do um, for almost nothing if they need a prom dress or if they need ski boots or whatever. And, you know, you do have to negotiate this because a lot of things are really expensive. Kids can't really uh, pay for everything. But, you know, part of it, let's, let them have some skin in so, the game. So tailor it to your own situation, your own orientation. But the important thing is they earn their own money. They spend their own money. That's how you get rid of entitlement attitudes. Number two, we would really like you to consider stopping all of the sort of pseudo-discipline that goes on in so many families, all the grounding, all the threats, all of the 
you didn't do what I told you, so now you're going to be grounded for a week. Or you, or now. for the rest of your life. We've heard that. <laughs> and so often when we speak, the first question parents have is, how do I discipline my kids? We would like you to stop thinking of it as, as a discipline problem, as a problem where you're trying to figure out penalties and punishments and so on. We would like you to start instead with a family legal system with an organized system developed with your kids as shareholders and stakeholders where you decide on some very simple family laws and you decide together what the punishments for breaking those family laws will be. And we think this family legal system can completely substitute for all this ad hoc punishing and grounding. Let's take a little break and when we come back we'll elaborate on that start and stop, and then we'll add one more. Sound good, Linda? Sounds good. And this was a particularly um, difficult one because it's so easy to just point them and said, you know, this is, you've had it, you've had it. And, and if you set it up beforehand, then it really is very helpful. Brief break, and we'll be right back on Ayers on the Road. Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back. Today, we're talking about three things that you can stop in order to do three things that you can start doing with your children and, and in some cases, your grandchildren. We, we ended the last segment talking about um, really having some laws, and we like to call them laws rather than rules, just, it just seems more official. Well, and again, again, let's do the stop and the start on this second one, second of three. You know, we really do see, and it's the worst thing. I'm sure a lot of you listening, if you're parents and you have kids in the home, you're, you're just so tired of this whole sort of power struggle thing where, you know, I'm telling you I'm the boss and, and I want you to be obedient and you do what I say or I'm going to punish you and you're going to be grounded and so on. What we really want to do is not to teach our children to be obedient to us. That's not the goal. The goal is to teach them to be obedient to laws. That's the thing we want to teach. And, and we can't do that unless we've set up some simple family laws. So again, what we're suggesting here is throw out the old uh, power struggle, discipline, grounding, punishment mentality and substitute for it having some very simple family laws. Now, we think yeah, there's two, two things that make this work. One is you have to develop them together as a family. And don't try to do it all at once. You might devote a family home evening to let's set up some family laws, but you might just get started that week. You might want to work on it over several weeks. So the kids have the option to say, well, I mean, first you want to describe, why do we have laws? What, what's the point? Why do we have traffic laws? Why do we have country laws? And kids are good at reasoning when you're in a conversational situation. Well, they keep us safe. Well, they make us happy. Well, they... They protect us. Exactly. So shouldn't we also have some family laws? What are the things we should have for laws in our family? And let them really get involved. And what your goal is, is to come up with just four or five 
simple family laws. And, you know, they'll change according to the age of your children. I well, mean, the laws won't change, but how you apply them. Then. Well, no, I think that they, they do get different. As I mean, we started with our little kids saying, you know, never plug in plugs when they're oh, two. Oh, well, you yeah, know. but that, we, that was before and, we uh, got a legal system. That was our that was our fault steps. That was too many rules. Yeah, but it is different with a three-year-old than it is a 16-year-old. I mean, for example, um, we have in our own family a a grandson who's just temporarily lost part of his brain. He's missing part of it. And it hasn't grown he, uh, yet. <laughs> we're waiting for it to kick in. But, um, you know, they have a rule in their house about uh, leaving their phones when they go to bed in the kitchen, in a plug-in place in the kitchen, and not taking them into their rooms. And um, so this kid just keeps breaking the rules. He just keeps sneaking out and doing these texts with their, his friends and so on. And so, um, you know, instead of, okay, you're grounded or give me that phone for a week, which maybe sometimes has to happen, but um, you say, what do you think should happen? We decided on this together as a family. This was the rule. What, what do, do you, you think, think the punishment, the should, punishment be? should be for that? And it really does turn the tables. And so that the kid is realizing, oh, I really did do that wrong, and uh, let's see, what should be my punishment? Once you've agreed as a family on certain simple laws, oh my goodness, it simplifies parenting. Because then it's not a power struggle. It's not, you've got to obey me. It's now, we agreed together to obey these laws, and we agreed on the punishments. Now, Linda, since we love our listeners so much, let's just sing them our family law song. <laughs> This 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 is illustrative of how how we struggled with this. We 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 finally got ours down to five simple family laws, and each of the five were represented by one word, and each of them had a simple punishment attached to them. But even then, kids would claim they couldn't remember them. So we started opening our weekly family meetings with the family law song. Give me a pitch, Linda. Oh, man, this will be the first time we've ever sung on the radio. <laughs> Yikes. Give me a pitch. All right, and our kids actually could do this. We took our Give adult. <laughs> I will, just a minute. Uh, we took our adult kids to uh, the speech that we were giving, and they were sitting in the back, and we were talking about this, and one of our kids said, well, we can still sing that, and they, they all sang it. It was pretty okay, funny. Okay, give me a pitch. Mm. Peace, respect, asking, order, obedience. Peace, respect, asking, order, obedience. Peace, respect, asking, order, obedience. These are our family laws. Oh, man, was that great. You will be more impressed. I know you're out there clapping. When you hear that I was a music major, whoa, that was really something. But here's the point. Those are five. We're not suggesting you adopt these five. We're just saying as a model, as an example, peace is the first law. You can can understand what that would mean. We don't fight. We don't argue. Uh, Respect. You could guess what that is. Order. Asking obedience. Now, rather than get into all these, because again, we're going to send you to valuesparenting.com for a real deep overview of setting up a family legal system. But just as one example, let's take the first one, peace. Uh, We decided as a family that the punishment for breaking the law of peace was that the two offenders, the two who had been arguing or fighting or shoving each other or whatever it was, would go to the repenting bench, which is a lovely little 
uncomfortable bench big enough for two kids to sit on. <laughs> which we bought in England. It's actually a pew from a church, which is rickety and very uncomfortable, but just big enough for two kids to sit on. And that they would stay there until each one, the only way to get off that bench is to say, is to think what you did wrong, not what the other kid did wrong, what you did wrong, and to hug the other kid, say, I'm sorry, I'll try not to do it again, then you can leave. And believe me, we had some pretty fast sort of, cursory repenting going on, but it was so much better than us getting involved and saying, who started it? Who did this? Who needs a punishment? Who needs to be grounded? Instead, now you've got a law. And of course, our kids would say, well, what about you and mom? What if you, what if you're fighting? What if you're arguing? Well, then you can send us to the repenting bench. Actually, we've spent a lot of time on the love repenting it. bench. We love that bench. <laughs> By the end, we did. And we could tell you a lot more about family laws. But again, we're trying to keep this simple. Stop the power struggles and the discipline and the ad hoc punishments and grounding and start a family legal system and get some more detail on valuesparenting.com. Now, before we run out of time, Linda, the third thing to stop and thing to start, probably my favorite. We, we think parents need to stop fearing the culture around them. We run into so many parents who are like, I can't do it. The peer culture is, is drawing my kids away from me. The media culture, the internet culture, the celebrity culture, the political culture. Look at this election. I can't raise, I can't teach my kids values. They're getting all their values from all these other cultures that are swirling around them. Stop fearing those other cultures and start creating a family culture that supersedes all those, that is actually stronger than any of those. And it really is scary. You know, you're raising children, and those of you who have grandchildren, you know what a scary world it is. It's so different than when our children were young. And it really is important to realize that you can create a family culture that's stronger than the culture of the world. Um, I don't know how you convince the children. Uh, there's well, I do. There's several things we've tried, but it's not easy. It's not easy. It's well, really, it's really difficult to have the kids on board and saying, "We are a family that believes this, and no matter what anybody else thinks, we're strong together." Well, but there's specific ways to do it. Family traditions build a family culture. Family laws that we've just talked about build a family culture. Um, family narratives where your kids know about their ancestors and about their grandparents and and so on build a family Absolutely. culture. Family yeah. reunions build a family culture. So what we're challenging you to do as parents is instead of reacting all the time and fearing the other cultures and trying to fight them all the time, instead of being on the defense and spending all your time trying to undo what your kids are learning from their peers or what your kids are learning from the internet. I mean, of course we have to combat those things, but it's better to be on the offense and to create a family culture that's so strong that kids in their own minds begin to get their identity, not from their peers, not from the internet, not from the media, not from celebrities, but from you and from your family because you have these traditions, you have these values, and so on. We think part of the heart of a, of a strong family culture 
frankly, is to have a value of the month. Have a value, whether it's honesty or respect or peacefulness or, or self-reliance. Have a value that you focus on every single month in your family. And just having that focus. And again, all, our whole theme today is we're giving you the tip of the iceberg. And you can go to valuesparenting.com for detail. But there's great detail there on one value every month. Well, the point of that is that we only have our kids for a few minutes. And I was talking to some parents last night who were saying they were, we were talking to a young mother and saying, oh, just enjoy this while your kids are home because, you know, it just lasts a minute. And I remember people telling me that. And I just remember thinking, you know, you can say that, but this is going to last forever. And it doesn't. It's just so fleeting. And so you, we need to really teach our kids while we have them. And it's just so crazy because it's hard to even eat together, let alone teach them things. But we really love think about, even if you can just get two nights a week around the dinner table with your kids to teach them a specific value or teach them um, games that are make them think and, and learn and so on. So they're really learning from you. When they leave your home, You've got to be sure what you want them to know. You know, I had a, a, a mother ask me the other day, Linda, because she was really into this idea of we've got to create a strong family culture. And she said, if you, if you were to tell me three things that I could do as a parent that would, that would really sort of establish this strong family culture that we could build on and grow on over the years, what would they be? And I thought it was a really interesting question because she was, wasn't open-ended. She wanted three things. Yeah. And what I ended up saying to her was, what I said to you a minute ago was, number one, have one value of the month that you work on as a family. That'll just impact your children so strongly over time. Number two, I said, take the family traditions you've already got and enshrine them. Have a tradition book or a tradition calendar. And this is what we do on Christmas. And this is what we do on Thanksgiving. And this is what we do on birthdays. And this is what we do on 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 Sunday uh, after church and so on, and actually write down and sort of have them to anticipate and to reflect on so that kids really get into that. This is what our family does. This is our family tradition that really starts creating that, that really strong culture. And you better zip in the third one quickly well, because the, we're almost out of time. Well, and the third one, I think, is this whole idea of having the the first two things we've told you to stop stop and start doing have a family economy and have a family legal system if those things are set up and and they're not quick fixes i mean you're not going to go home tonight and suddenly do all these things but if you set your goal on establishing that family culture it'll grow and become strong and i promise you you can be a greater influence on your kids than all these other cultures put together well, but no guarantee. I mean, kids go in and out, and they are they come with the are time, and so on. Over but time. over time, they'll look back at the time they had with you and and really appreciate the things that you've taught them that are so important that deal with you know things you stopped doing and started doing. It really is makes a difference. So this is kind of a hard hitting show, but again, just to, to wind up, here's what we're suggesting: you stop the entitlement, start a family economy. Stop the discipline and yelling and power struggles, and start a family legal system. And stop fearing other cultures and start 
strengthening and building your own family culture. So we wish you the best of luck with that. That's not too big an order. We know you can do it, though. See you again next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye. <laughs>